Greetings and welcome to another edition of AUHSD Future Talks. I'm your host, Michael Matsuda, superintendent of the Anaheim Union High School District. And as our 7,000 plus podcast listeners know, this show is dedicated to the future of education for our students, uh, not only across Anaheim, but across the state of California. There are so many challenges ahead and we've been so lucky and blessed to have amazing leaders across the spectrum of education. And today with us, we have Dr. Edgar Lampkin, the new CEO of Kabe. Dr. Lampkin, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, uh, Superintendent Matsuda. Glad to be here and on board with you. Yeah, so wanted to start out, uh, Edgar, um, and you can call me Mike, <laughs> that, um, okay. that um, a little bit about you, because, um, you know, you're overseeing this large uh, state and really national organization, one of the largest advocates for uh, bilingual learners. Let's hear a little bit about you, Edgar. Great. Well, well thank you. I'll, I'm happy to share a little bit about myself. Uh, greetings to everyone out there. Um, <clears throat> a little bit about myself. I was uh, born in Mexico City came here as an immigrant student. My parents divorced when I was five years old and I was being raised by my grandparents on my father's side. My mom came to this country to work in agriculture and find a better life. Uh, she landed in Northern California in the agricultural fields of Northern California uh, with her brother uh, who was already there working as a foreman. She worked in agriculture, harvesting the crops, uh, she had the opportunity to meet uh, Leon Lampkin. Uh, people normally say Lampkin. Lampkin doesn't sound like a Mexican name. Well, it isn't. I was, uh, uh, so the story is that my mom working in the fields, uh, Leon Lampkin was, uh, the, uh, uh, was ha the harvest driver. He used to drive the harvesters and was the mechanic. They met, they dated, they got to know each other, they got married, and uh she ended up, uh, he ended up uh, saying to my mom, uh, you know what, uh, bring your kids uh, to California and we'll help raise them. Uh, so that is the reason why I use the name of Lampkin because mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's an honor and it's in his honor. He's passed away. Um, he lived to be 103 years old, uh, wow. passed away with uh, Alzheimer's. And so I use his name with, with honor. Um, I am the first to graduate from uh, college um, in my family side. Uh, also, first one to get my master's, first one to get my doctorate. Uh, all of that done through mentoring and support. But when I originally came, I didn't know a single word in English. I, I was an English learner, um, limited English proficient. Uh, like I said, did not know a single word, but went through the school system and as I uh, learned and gained English, I was very fortunate to actually have what is known as a de facto bilingual education. What does that mean? That means that I had my education in Mexico, kinder, first, second, half a third. Then I came here to this country immersed in third grade, um, an English uh, only classroom. Uh, went through the school system here, half a third, fourth half a fifth, and then went back to Mexico to live with my grandparents and attended their half a fifth and all of sixth grade. 
At that point, when I finished the elementary school, my mom called me and she said, Edgar, you need to make a decision whether you're going to study in Mexico or whether you're going to do your studies here in California. If you are, you cannot be going back and forth any longer. So <clears throat> that's what I mean by a de facto bilingual education. I, I came, I developed uh, the basics in my uh, home language and then uh, was able to learn English. Uh, it was tough. It was challenging, I have to say, as an English learner and as a, as a migrant student. I uh, came here and worked in agriculture as well, as uh, so my parents did. And so throughout high school, I worked in the fields, uh, you know, hoeing, uh, picking the, the, the different uh, uh, fruits and vegetables that uh, we needed to pick. As I went through the educational program, at the University of Chico, which I was uh, accepted as uh, what they call a, a, a student that has an opportunity and possibility to, to be successful, student affirmative action. Uh, and so I also experienced that aspect as I went through the system and learned about the university, how it ran, how it worked. Uh, I. Uh, fell in love with instruction, with teaching uh, through a program that I applied for that was existing. And it, to this day, it still exists. It's called the California Mini Corps Program. And that program trains future bilingual teachers that are interested in becoming in bilingual teachers. And they get placed in the classroom under supervision of a teacher and supervised by uh, a supervisor, college uh, professor, that works with us and builds our knowledge base around uh, classroom management, develop classroom instruction, uh, best practices, developing units, teaching uh, practices. And so um, that's how I ended up getting into education. I became a, a bilingual teacher um, and eventually uh, my mentor and then principal said, Edgar, you need to go get your master's. I had no idea what he meant by a master's. I learned what a master's was. Uh, that master's was done around uh, conflict management. Uh, I was able to implement and do my case study on a conflict management program, implementation of a conflict management program that is equitable and that takes into account all students. And so that was uh, my first experience with uh, higher education beyond a BA. And then at that point, after getting into administration and being a vice principal and a school principal, uh, I was encouraged to apply for and to go through the doctorate program. I got to go through the doctorate program at USF, the University of San Francisco, with Dr. Amaflorada and in international multicultural education. And that was an incredible experience. Uh, all of that being said that along those lines, my wife uh, also being a bilingual teacher and following me along uh, my career of education and supporting each other, she also ended up becoming a vice principal, a principal uh, after being a, a bilingual teacher and a bilingual resource teacher. And uh, now she's a superintendent. I became a, a, a principal director of um, English Learner Services at the county level and superintendent uh, in Northern California for five years. And now here I am as uh, CEO of CABE, the California Association for Bilingual Education. Oh my goodness, uh, you couldn't have uh, 
you know, thought of a, uh, I mean, a more perfect match to head the largest uh, advocacy group in the state of California. Could you tell the audience a little bit about CABE, the California Association for Bilingual Education? Sure thing. Uh, first and foremost, I just like would like to say that I feel honored and blessed to have this opportunity. I do represent and support the students that I actually uh, come from. That's my background, right? I, 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 I have been an English learner. I have been a migrant student. I, I have been in, involved with bilingual education. And so CABE, California Association for Bilingual Education, is focused on um, <clears throat> building capacity with uh, folks on understanding multicultural education, uh, 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 multilingualism, uh, helping uh, and supporting uh, schools that are implementing dual immersion programs, two-way immersion, uh, dual language instruction, uh, different forms of bilingual education programs. We provide support, we provide the research, we provide professional development. Uh, in addition to that, CABE, as you mentioned, is a pretty statewide organization, but also national in many ways. We collaborate and we partner with a number of different agencies around um, uh, providing advocacy, uh, supporting and working towards uh, policies that will help uh, meet uh, it, the needs of uh, English learners, of immigrant students, of newcomers, of all students in an equitable way. And so that overall is what the vision of CABE is. And it is composed of a board and a CEO and its employees. Uh, the board is made up of different folks from, uh, from the education field. We have uh, paraeducators, we have um, parents, we have, um, we have uh, uh, teachers, administrators, professors that are involved in the CABE board. Superintendents, uh, currently our president, uh, uh, Dr. Raul Maldonado is the president of CABE and the past president is Dr. Barbara Flores. Uh, Dr. Maldonado is superintendent in, uh, um, in uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm missing the name, but it'll come to me. Uh, and Dr. Flores is a retired professor uh, that used to provide training for growing future bilingual teachers. Yes. School District, that's the name. Okay. Yes, Palm Dope So there are many challenges, right, for and advocating for low-income and uh, first-generation students. Um, and, you know, from, and especially now where you have a very polarized uh, country, polarized communities within the state of California, how do you, uh, you know, advise uh, advocates for bilingual education, for multicultural education, for ethnic studies to um, navigate this polarized political community that um, unfortunately is pretty, pretty intense and uh, Inland empires in Central California and places where there are a lot of uh, Latino youth. Um, that's a that's a good question, and I think it's probably uh, <clears throat> best answered by saying, you know, there is so much work that needs to be done in helping uh, California as a whole 
because it is so diverse to come together and uh, look at how do we prepare our students to be successful and uh, help continue to have our economy be uh, one of the top economies in the world. Uh, we have to we have to stay in front of that, and we have to stay keep a focus on that. Um, you know the uh, polarization that is there many times is uh, centered around fear, lack of understanding, a lack of knowing. Um, and so education, helping people understand is probably the best way to go around helping folks see and understand the need for why we need to come together and look at the rich uh, diversity that we have. And that's a gold mine that needs to be tapped onto. Uh, it's it's the languages, it's the cultures that 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 bring that diversity in California that provides the golden state the opportunity to continue to be a golden state if we can tap onto that strength. Um, you know the whole issue of bilingual education uh, uh, again was in you know when two twenty seven came out it was a a statement of fear. And the reality is, is, is it's, it's not about fear. We need to look at it from the other end. We need to look at it. How do we come together and become a stronger nation and use the diversity that we have to be able to tap onto and maintain the uh, economy that we currently have and strengthen it, build it? Uh, we are on the Pacific Rim. We have different language groups in our state. And if we can support on building their capacity to not just know two languages, it has to be, you know, one of the requirements in, in, in building students to become prepared for the 21st century career and college ready is to know two or more languages, right? But when you take a look at what's happening in the world, uh, you go to Europe, you go to any other country, for the most part, you're going to see folks that speak four languages at the minimum or more. If you can speak four languages, that's the minimum in order to be globally competitive. And so we need to get beyond the thought of two languages and bilingual education. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're looking at Kabe eventually becoming Kabe plus because it has to be more than two languages. So that is pretty much how I uh, approach it is help education it's helping people understand the importance and the significance of what we need to do as a state, as a country, in order to be globally competitive. You know, um, Edgar, I like how you've connected the mission and vision of Cave to the importance of the economy in California, right? Multilingualism, multiculturalism are foundational if we are going to continue to be a leader in uh, the, the Pacific hub, as well as internationally. California is, like you say, is the golden state, and uh, we need to double down on that. And, and, and I also like how you just cut to the chase in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the anti-multilingualism uh, and anti-culturalism is really rooted in fear. Um, and I think as definitely the leader of Kabe, um, a lot of folks who are looking up to Kabe for guidance on how to navigate fear in their own communities. You had mentioned earlier, too, another big issue is the importance of 
Um, back then, it was affirmative action in California. And as you know, there's uh, that's also been overturned and overturned nationally as well. How do you uh, um, really, without that tool, how do you um, reach equity, right? When we talk about the difference between equality and equity and Kabe's is founded on uh, social justice and equity. How do you uh, bridge that um, and to support those advocates on the ground fighting for equitable educational policies? Well, that that is a good question. And I would say that, um, again, education, helping people understand that equal does not mean equitable. Equity is centered around how do we help all of our students uh, rise to the levels of expectation that we know is important in order for them to be thriving, successful, uh, career and college ready, uh, future citizens uh, that are uh, in, in, hopefully in careers or uh, uh, that, that require either technical support or um, you know, college level uh, support. My grandfather always said uh, to me, uh, and I, to this day, I still remember that. He he told me, he goes, uh, Mijo, if you want to be successful in life, you need to learn from the two schools, the school of life and the school of academics. And so the school of life teaches us about the importance of supporting each other in order to be able to thrive and be successful in society. Um, We have uh, students that are facing poverty, that are facing um, many different challenges, could be language uh, barriers, it could be, um, you know, uh, learning disabilities. And the reality is, and I I guess in my experience, I've been humbled uh, because in each one of those areas, I've had to live or experience it either through myself or through my children. And what I have seen that is important is, um, you know, and we talk about this in education uh, more and more, the importance of looking at growth mindset, the importance of looking at the assets that individuals come to school with, uh, the assets that the parents have, uh, just because they may not have an education, that's just because they come from poverty, doesn't mean that they do not have assets that have been transferred on and that are supporting uh, a particular uh, child, a particular student. And for those individuals that do not have uh, a mom or a dad, there's also lots of support services out there to help students. As long as we can find ways to look at things from an asset-based, growth mindset-based process, I think we can really reach that level of equity. Um, English learners, uh, when they get to middle school, high school, uh, if they have not been redesignated, many times we end up tracking them and putting them into tracks that ends up uh, not giving them the opportunity to maybe go into higher education. And um, what we need to do is we need to take a look at how do we accelerate Uh, our students that are English learners. They come with assets. They have assets. How do we help transfer that and give them the opportunity to catch up and to excel if necessary? And um, again, I've been fortunate to see 
friends that I grew up with not be successful. I've always asked myself, why is that? And have come up with answers that then I took and applied as a, as a teacher, as a bilingual teacher, as a, as a vice principal, as a principal, as a director, as a superintendent. And now as a Cabe CEO, I see the importance and the need to promote uh, that aspect is how do we continue to work in looking at building assets that folks have and the growth mindset that everyone has an opportunity to be a part of. I, I love how you uh, frame equity as uh, really having an asset-based uh, disposition and sort of mental map of kids and families. And, and But, but I, I want I know we're almost out of time. I do want to address one other thing. Um, sure thing. A lot of folks are talking about learning loss, which to me is sort of a, a deficit uh, uh, term. How do you, uh, and many, as you know, many of this uh, learning loss is focused on uh, multilingual learners, low-income students. And, you know, how do you sort of square that with more of an asset-based approach to connecting with these kids who are uh, uh, marginalized? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because for our Cabe conference, we actually do have a keynote speaker by the name of Dr. Victor Rios. Uh, Dr. Victor Rios, <clears throat> young, incredible um, individual that uh, grew up in the projects uh, in poverty in the um, Oakland area. Um, he missed nine years of schooling due to poverty, drugs, gangs. One teacher, that he leaned on and took the opportunity to help him get to the next level and catch up and excel is the reason why he now is Dr. Victor Rios. And one of the, one of the things that he says is, you know what? We need to look, we, we, we need to take a look at students, not as students at risk, which is what he was called, but we need to look at students as students at promise. And again, it's that growth mindset, it's that asset-based. If we look at students at promise, they have a promising future. It's up to us to figure out how we can help support that uh, growth that students need to take in order to get to the next chapter and the next level and the next opportunity for them to go beyond where they are. Wow. Well, that's a, uh, someone that we need to look for as we uh, participate in the Kabe Conference. Uh, it's every spring. When is that? Uh, so the Kabe Conference is happening February 21st through the 24th. And uh, last year we had 6,000 people attending. This year we're looking at eight to 10,000 10, attending. So we're excited. We're be in Southern California, too. Southern California. We have over 500 workshops that will be uh, uh, people will be participating in. Uh, it's a wonderful Cabe feel, Cabe familia. You know, we take, we embrace folks, and we work towards helping uh, build uh, people's capacities. Uh, we have a parent institute. We have an educators institute. And, Michael, you're going to be one of our guest folks. Uh, 
for our administrative leadership symposium because you're doing some amazing work in your district. You know, how in the world are you doing it to be able to take and take your district into building those dual immersion programs, those CTE programs that are giving kids opportunities to look at career college readiness, um, the, you know, the choices that you're giving uh, students and incredible work that you're doing as well. So we're excited and looking forward to having you there as one of our leaders that can share with others what's happening in your district and can get ideas so that we can continue to build California into one of the top notch, you know, multilingual uh, career and college readiness uh, programs uh, that we offer in the state of California. Well, Dr. Edgar Lampkin, the CEO of Cabe, we're so pleased to uh, have interviewed you. You are truly a leader of promise, and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future. On behalf of all of our listeners, thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Mike. And, you know, greetings to everyone. Um, happy Thanksgiving, everyone, as well as, you know, enjoy the, the holiday break because our kids are going to be waiting for us when we get back after that break.